0: Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss
1: to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m.? Ah! That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone
0: why you're still single and...
2: Ha, ha, ha. Seriously?
0: Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At
2: participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited.
0: And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide, as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction, and fiction, well, 99.9% of the time is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition, High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates Red right Cross Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India. Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. TV.com. Exonation, my first guest tonight is not only a guest, but a dear personal friend. Howard Bloom is his name, and Howard is known worldwide as the author of the best-selling book, The Genius of the Beast. Now, Howard is a visiting scholar at New York University, is founder of the International Paleo Psychology Project, executive editor of the New Paradigm Book Series, a founding board member of the Epic of Evolution Society, and a member of the New York Academy of Sciences. And that's just the very tip of the iceberg. His website is www.howardbloom.com. Dot net. And Howard, welcome back to the x How are you, my friend?
1: Thanks, Rob. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you, and that's an understatement.
0: Howard, you, uh, you sent me an email earlier this, uh, this week, and you're, you're you know, asking you to, to help get the word out on a very, very important project. And I was wondering, Howard, if we could talk about that this hour, amongst other things. But this has something to do with the, a project called Kickstart.
1: Yeah, Kickstarter is is amazing in its own way. Kickstarter allows people like me to go out and actually get money from their fans, Mm -hmm. get investments. It's not really investments, Rob. If somebody puts in $15, they get more than $15 worth of goods. If you put in enough money, you get all of of my author's manuscripts of all of my books. Those are all electronic manuscripts. Mm -hmm. And you also get the uh, manuscripts of two unpublished books which are impossible to get. You cannot get them anywhere, and they're highly controversial books. So it's not as if you're, you're giving money away, but the fact is that I'm raising the money for a very specific reason. I'm raising it to get a publicity budget for a book that's coming out August 24th called The God Problem, How a Godless Cosmos Creates. And the bizarre thing is you would think that with as an established author, I've sold about 140,000 to 150,000 books worldwide, and my books are all pretty Mm -hmm. well-known, and they all come from established publishers. You would think that a PR budget would be there. You wouldn't have to go to your fans for a PR budget. But the fact is, the PR budgets aren't there. They haven't been there for a long time. The publishing industry in the United States puts out 330,000 books a year. Wow. That's uh, 904 books a day. Now, if they gave publicity budgets to all of those books, they'd be dead in the water. And, in fact, the ones that they do give PR budgets to are, are, are already um, guaranteed successes. They're books by major name, people like Sarah Palin uh, or Hillary Clinton. Um, so, but Sarah Palin and Hillary Clinton are not the people who are going to deliver new ideas.
0: That's to. right. Yeah. And,
1: and if you really want new ideas, where in the world are you going to get them? Well, in looking into this, well, I've been, you know, we've, we actually have raised $10,000 so far on the Kickstarter thing, and we have another six days to go, and we have to raise another uh, $10,000 in those six days. But, but in looking into this, I've realized that ideas are for sale, that you don't just get a random spatter of ideas. You don't mm-hmm. just get ideas because they're good. You get ideas because somebody is funding them. All right, Howard, um,
0: stand by, old friend. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Exonation. Nation, Howard Bloom is our guest, www.howardbloom.net. My name is Rob McConnell, and Howard Bloom and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the ExoN continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Howard Bloom is my guest, dot howard bloom Dot net. All right, Howard, you're an established author. Like you said, you've sold over 150 to 160,000 books. Why, why are you having so much problems getting money that you actually have to go on the Internet and, and hit people up, your fans, in order to get an advertising budget? It makes no sense to me.
1: No, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But if you look at the reality of the matter, mm-hmm. all the ideas that we get, we think we're getting a big uh, hors d'oeuvre tray full of ideas. We're getting a very very narrow range of ideas. We're getting the ideas that those people with a lot of money um, finance. Uh, Rupert Murdoch with News Corporation and his publishing company, HarperCollins, he's worth $7.6 billion, but he controls an awful lot of the ideas that go into your mind and mind, including the ideas that come from the Wall Street Journal and a lot of other newspapers, uh, not to mention Fox TV. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, they are worth $61 billion. They are pouring their money into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and right now that foundation is coming up with the ideas that are going to lead education in America for the next God knows how many years. Why? Because they can afford to support the people who think those ideas. George Soros on the left is worth $20 billion, Mm -hmm. and he is supporting left-wing thinking. My thinking is not left-wing. My thinking is not right-wing. My thinking is radical-centrist. What in the world is radical-centrist? Well, it's anything I think is true. And um, that is not the kind of thinking that's going to be supported by either Rupert Murdoch on the right or George Soros on the left. The fact of the matter is, um, I've been uh, independent my entire life. And um, while I was, you know that I did my 20 years of field work in the music industry. Sure, yeah. And uh, during those 20 years of field work, I did not, I wasn't focusing on money. I was focusing, focusing on doing a superb job for the people I was working with, and I was focusing on learning everything I could about mass passions, mass behavior, and the forces of history, because that's what you see at work in popular culture. Um, and then I was very fortunate. I was fortunate because I became extremely ill. I became extremely ill when I had finished half a book, when I was halfway through a book. Um, and the illness, it robbed me of my ability to speak for five years. It trapped me in a bedroom for yeah. 15 years, but it gave me no excuses. I could no longer do any form of normal work. Um, I, the only thing I could do was work at a, uh, a keyboard um, with a computer right next to the bed, It gave me an opportunity, in other words, to finish my book. And I wrote three books while I was sick and founded two international scientific groups. I had to learn to do this. Um, Coasting, I had to learn to do this from a financial point of view, operating on fumes. And I've been doing that ever since. And I wouldn't have it any other way, Rob, because it has given me the freedom to think the way I want to think and to try to give you the ideas that I think are going to matter the most in your life. But when you spend your life dedicated to coming up with ideas that you think are going to matter in other people's lives, mm-hmm. you have an obligation to go beyond simply coming up with those ideas. In the same way that there are 330,000 books published per year, um, over, uh, almost 1,000 books a day, ideas are a dime a dozen. Millions of ideas are coughed up virtually every second on this planet. For ideas to matter, they have to be driven home. They have to be promoted. That is one major lesson of The Genius of the Beast, a radical revision of capitalism, the book you were just referring to. If you, if you have come up with an idea that you feel can in any way um, upgrade or save humanity, it is your obligation to work to the very last ounce of strength to drive that idea home. I'll give you an example of two men who knew that. One of them was Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton was a full-time promoter of his ideas. In fact, he was a brutal and vicious promoter of his ideas. I would not recommend that anybody go about promoting their ideas in the way that Isaac Newton did, because when Isaac Newton felt threatened by somebody, uh, he would destroy that person's career in order to make sure he got credit for something. He did that with a guy named Leibniz over the calculus. He wanted to claim to complete... Uh, ownership of calculus. He wanted to be the inventor of calculus. Sorry, Leibniz invented it at the same time. He destroyed Leibniz's career, and Leibniz had a career so magnificent that Leibniz helped put uh, George, the whatever he was, on the throne of uh, George of Hanover, on the throne of England, the George that we then rebelled against, um, that is in the United States that we had a revolution against. Um, So you had Newton, who was a full-time promoter of his work for uh, roughly 40 to 50 years. Um, Then came uh, Charles Darwin. Now, Charles Darwin was stuck at home with an illness 14 miles outside of London, very similar to my illness. But while he was there, he made up a target list. He made up a target list of all the intellectuals he would have to win over um, in order to establish Uh, his vision of evolution. Evolution wasn't his original idea. It had come from his grandfather, Erasmus Darwin, And um, he had backing. Um, He had backing because his family had been successful for three generations. His great-grandfather had been a lawyer and and had owned an estate. Um, And more important... He had married into the Wedgwood-Benn family. Mm-hmm. Well, the wedgwood Bens were the inventors of the factory system in England, and they made China, and they sold it to the, Empress Uge- uh, to the Empress of Russia and to the Queen of England, and they had a fortune. So he had money, and with that money and the luxury that that illness gave him, he found a champion in uh, uh, somebody who did not have money, Thomas Henry Huxley, and the two of them worked tirelessly to establish darwin's idea so if you have an idea and you think it is important if you do not work tirelessly on its behalf you cannot drive it home and if you do not raise money in one form or another if you don't have family money the way that darwin had family money If you are not supported by a university the Mm -hmm. way that Newton was supported by a university, if you don't have a Bill Gates, a Rupert Murdoch, or a George Soros behind you, then you have to go out there and raise the money to drive that idea home. And it may be embarrassing, and it may be humiliating, but you have to just swallow it because you are not doing your idea justice if you are not going out to get the budget it takes to drive that idea home. And you know that this book, The God Problem, uh, How a Godless Cosmos Creates, it's been praised by one, by one Nobel Prize winner, two MacArthur Genius Award winners, Barbara Ehrenreich on the left, um, uh, George Gilder on the right, and they've called it a work of genius. They've called, I mean, I shouldn't say that, it doesn't sound very modest, but they have, uh, they have called it the next paradigm. They have said that uh, Barbara Ehrenreich said, if only 10% of what this book says is true, if only 10% of what this book says is true, then we live in a radically different universe than the universe we've ever known, and we're going to have to completely change our views of it. Well, that's... <laughs> that, to me, as the author, that's startling stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that kind of praise on this book, but that's why I'm going out and working my tail off to raise a budget for this. but Publishers do not have bub- but, uh, but budgets. But you've
0: published other books in the past, and oh, yeah. this is the first time you're actually going out seeking funding from the private sector.
1: There's never been a Kickstarter before. There's never been a mechanism uh, that allows me to make contact with my fans. My first book, The Lucifer Principle, I finished the first draft of that book in 1988. Um, the Internet was new. Um, the World Wide Web did not yet exist. I published that book in 1995. The World Wide Web was just being born that year. My second book, Global Brain, came out in 2000. The World Wide Web was still wet behind the ears. There was no such thing as social media. Um, my next book, um, The Genius of the Beast, a Radical Revision of Capitalism, came out in 2000 and. Um, nine or 2010. Well, by then things were changing. Social media was changing things. What really changed things, Rob, was Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter did not change things for me. Facebook changed things for me, and of course the internet because it gave me an ability to talk to my fans on a regular basis. When somebody sends me an email, if they've read my work, I write back to them. Yeah,
0: that that brings up a very interesting point, Howard. Is the internet at to blame for the lack of funding for authors like yourself and the increase of of other writers because you know now anyone with a computer can write a book it's easy to self publish well, it's easy to to market uh for a person who writes a 400 500 page book if they want to go to create space and give them 30 you know and accept 35% royalties they get their book published bang overnight
1: Right, except um, you're absolutely right. The figure for uh, book publication before all this became so easy, the Mm -hmm. number of books published per year was under 100,000. It was roughly 98,000. Today it's three times that. And in part it's because it's become easier to publish books. So it's harder to find a space in the marketplace. But the fact is that if I hadn't supported myself through the Lucifer Principle, Mm -hmm. through the process of writing that book, if I hadn't supported the PR campaign for that book myself, um, that book would never have become established. Now that book, many people call it their Bible, and it's sold about 120,000 copies, a little bit more than that, worldwide, and it keeps on selling, even though it's over 15 years old. I had to support, uh, the support uh, of the Global Brain. Um, with a PR campaign, myself. Well, eventually you run out of money, Rob. Especially sure. if you <laughs> are dedicated full time to coming up with ideas, and you don't care whether the kind of whether they're the kind of ideas that are going to bring in money from a uh, George Soros yeah. um, or Rupert Murdoch.
0: But is it is it a sign of the times, Howard, when an established author like yourself, who is Loved and acknowledged worldwide for the work that you do, has got to now use Kickstart to try and get money to try in order to get an advertising campaign or a publicity campaign going. What well, happens, Howard? What happens, Howard, if you don't raise $20,000?
1: Well, if I don't raise $20,000, I'm going to have to try this to do this on my own. And you've you heard how terrible I sound when I have to repeat positive things that have been said about me have been Mm -hmm. said about me myself. I sound terrible. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all do. We all sound like raving egomaniacs if we try to do that. Um, But I'll just have to do it on my own. One way or the other, I'm going to make this book succeed. But think of it this way. Way back when Leonardo da Vinci was coming up with all his wild and crazy ideas, he had to go to patrons in order to support himself. He, He was a master of military equipment making and canal building. And he sold himself to the leading nobles of the time as somebody who could win them a victory militarily. Hey, I've got to
0: sell myself to the uh, the sponsors right now. Please stand by, ah. Howard. Howard Bloom is my special guest, Exxon Nation. Always great having Howard here with us in the Exxon. www.howardbloom.net. 1-800-610-7035. Worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at X-Zone Radio, TV.com On MSN Messenger. Exxon Radio TV at Hotmail.com and our website, com. Howard Bloom and I return on the other side of the news and this commercial break as we continue from the Exxon here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Howard Bloom is my guest, ExoNation, www.howardbloom.net. Howard, tell me a little bit about your new book that that you want to get people to kick into Kickstart, uh, The God Problem.
1: Well, the God problem, for one thing, has a brand new theory of the beginning, middle, and end of the universe. And it is a theory that explains two of the biggest mysteries in uh, physics right now. One of those mysteries is dark energy. The Mm -hmm. other one is called the parity problem. Uh, In other words, the big question of why there's so much matter in this universe instead of antimatter, when antimatter and matter are supposed to be coughed out in equal amounts, according to all of the equations. And it explains all of this very simply, and Martin Beaujolais, who is one of the two leading loop quantum gravity cosmologists, says that the book is thoroughly mathematical and thoroughly rigorous, meaning that this book is heavy-duty physics, but it doesn't read like heavy-duty physics. It reads like a detective story. I I don't want you to even know that you're reading anything Mm -hmm. the least bit complex, because I want you to have, uh, well, James Burke, who's one of my idols, James Burke is the creator of seven BBC TV series, including Connections and the Day the Universe Changed. And the Connections series is is just mind-blowing. It truly is. And James James Burke says that this book is the most breathtaking thriller he can ever remember reading in his life. He calls it a cliffhanger. So that's what it's written to be, a cliffhanger. Um, Or um, who was it? It was Robin Fox um, who said that it's a cave of wonders. And that, too, is Mm -hmm. what it was written to be but it challenges some of the most basic assumptions of our entire thought process. It raises five basic heresies, and it says, um, well, you know, we all heard that Aristotle came up with what he called his syllogism, and it went like this. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Well, what happens if A does not equal A? Heresy number one in this book is A does not equal A. Uh, An apple does not equal an apple. A banana does not equal a banana. Those two things are different from each other. They just fall into the same category, Mm -hmm. but they're very different. Um, And that undermines all of what we know as modern math. Um, Heresy number two, um, we're all taught that one plus one equals two. Heresy number two is that one plus one does not equal two. Um, Heresy number three is that the second law of thermodynamics the law that everything falls apart, that everything tends toward entropy, that everything falls into a state of disorder, so utterly and completely wrong, it is very hard for me to believe that anybody in science has ever taken it seriously, and yet everybody I know in science does take it seriously. Heresy number four is randomness is not as random as you think. This is not a six monkeys at six typewriters universe. And heresy number five is information theory is all wrong. In fact, it misses the meat of the matter. So these are basic challenges to not just the way that scientists think. They're basic challenges to the way you and I think every day. Because uh, somewhere buried in our logical processes and in, in our thinking process mm-hmm. are the five, um, uh, the five axioms, the five assumptions that I'm attacking here. So the book basically um, it tries to get you thinking in ways you have never ever ever thought before in your life.
0: You you worked and you are working with some of the top people in the music industry. You are working with some of the top people in the aerospace industry. You know, uh, and can't well, you,
1: Buzz Aldrin, Edgar yeah, Mitchell. exactly, <laughs> Michael ex- Jackson, Prince, uh, Bob Marley,
0: exactly, uh, and and can't you get help from these people?
1: Um, you know, people are not very forthcoming with money and the privilege that I was. You know, I was telling. Uh, however, telling I must the, say
0: this, Howard. I must say this. Knowing you, you're not one to ask.
1: No, I don't ask at all. Uh, I never ask. This is the first time in my life, and it is hideously embarrassing for me. Rob, why, my but, friend?
0: My friend, let me ask you this, and I and I don't mean to cut you off, but why is it embarrassing? You've got information. You've got. You've come up with something that that you believe in. When, you know, when when inventors come up with something, they seek funding. When producers come up with a concept for a TV show, they go out and seek funding. My friend, you have something that I, I believe to be very important to share with the world. Why shouldn't you ask?
1: Well, I'm getting used to that idea. Frankly, I've had the privilege since I became ill of being a full-time thinker and a full-time writer. right? And I haven't had to worry about the business side of things. And, and I, uh, Rob, there. sometimes you just want to take certain kinds of people and put them on a shelf and let them do nothing but think. Look at Einstein. He yes. couldn't even remember to put his pants on in the morning. Yep. His wife would come running up the street when he was half a block from home <laughs> saying, Albert, Albert, you forgot something, and she'd be carrying his pants, his shoes, and his shirt. He'd be shuffling up to the Princeton Advanced Research Institute in his pajamas and his bedroom slippers. Yeah. Well, you need certain people like that that That's you can right. sort of put on a cryogenic hold, because if you let them go in that cryogenic hold, they will put their entire mind, all of the mind that the rest of us use for practical things, into nothing but coming up with extraordinary thoughts. You, you know, and, Howard,
0: there are thinkers in life and there are doers in life. My friend, you are both.
1: Well, I used to be a doer, and I did on behalf of other people, and I believed in the people I was working with. Rob, when I worked with Supertramp, I believed Mm -hmm. in Supertramp. It was because I believed in Supertramp. You know how powerfully I believed in Michael Jackson. Yes, certainly. But it is very hard to do that for yourself, and it's very hard to take yourself out of the mode of thinker. But the one thing that, and this is what I was getting at a few minutes ago, with Facebook I've been able to be in conversation with my fans now for the three years or so that Facebook Mm -hmm. has been a dominant form. And as a consequence, now with Kickstarter, which I didn't know about until only two months ago, Um, With Kickstarter, I can go to my fans. I can go to the people who read my work. I can go to the people who send me letters. And Rob, I have 350 pages of these letters um, with five letters per page saying, you saved my life or saying, you changed my life, or saying, thank you for giving me a new way to think. Well, Mm -hmm. that means everything in the world to me. Rob, I fight every day for for my ability to be able to take a 15-year-old and give him a sense of meaning or her a sense of meaning that will last him or her the rest of her life. That's what really counts to me. So now I can go directly to those people. And I can tell them, look, you, you can um, buy more stuff for me in the way of manuscripts that would not be available anytime. They've never been available before. Um, uh, and and uh, the money will help me fund the promotion campaign or the PR campaign mm-hmm. that I need for this book. And these are people who feel I'm giving something of value. And you should see some of the letters that I'm getting um, that people are sending out and what they're saying about having lived with me in my work it's it's stunning um but meantime so that's why it had you know without money ideas don't get developed and the only ideas that come out on that canopy tray on Mm -hmm. that cocktail platter um, of ideas presented for our delectation are the ideas that are backed by money so if you're a person like me and you want to be independent and you don't want to come up with ideas that the, the the money brokers would like to fund then you have to find a way to do it on your own, and thank God for Kickstarter. It does provide that kind of an alternative.
0: How does it work?
1: Well, you, uh, first of all, if anybody wants to find the site on Kickstarter, just look for Kickstarter um, with Google, and when you get there, uh, there's a little search panel on the top, and type in the God problem, mm-hmm. and you'll find it. So here's how Kickstarter works. You go to Kickstarter, um, you go to the God problem, uh, it explains what the project did. It explains why uh, I need the money. It explains what I'm going to do with the money. It explains why this, this uh, project, The God Problem, should be of, might be of interest to you. Uh, and then it describes a whole bunch of rewards. And it says, if you contribute a dollar, you'll get my thanks. If you contribute $15, you'll get the six chapters. Uh, my personal e-manuscript, electronic manuscript of the six chapters of The God Problem that have the five heresies, the heresies that I just outlined. Um, If you contribute a a larger amount, you'll get my personal electronic manuscript of The God Problem the entire book. If you contribute an even larger amount, you'll get the electronic manuscripts of The God Problem and the Lucifer Principle, and so on and so forth, right up until getting uh, all of my books, all of the electronic copies of my books, plus the two books that have been virtually banned, how I accidentally started the 60s, which Timothy Leary called a monumental masterpiece of American literature, filled with wow, woo, aha moments. He was bowled over by the book, and um, and the other book is uh, the Muhammad Code: Why a Desert Prophet Wants You Dead, which is much too controversial for any publisher to take, um, but is riveting. And uh, David Swindell. Um, who is, was uh, uh, an editor, he's an editor of PJ Media, mm-hmm. says it is the best book on Islam he has ever read in his life, and it, it reads like a horror story, and it keeps you up at night. You can't stop reading it. So those two books are available if you give I forget what amount of money. And then if you, are, if you want to put in uh, 700 I think it's $720 or something like that, you get the complete selection of all of my electronic books, plus you get to meet me. And believe me, that will be more of a treat for me than it will for you. So um, that's basically how it works. That's how Kickstarter sets it up. And you set a minimum for yourself on a certain number of days. The minimum that I set was $20,000. The time period was 30 days. We have six days left on those 30 days. We're up to $10,000, a little bit more than that. We need another $10,000 or we don't get a penny. Wow. Um, Unless you meet your targets, you don't get a cent. So that is how Kickstarter works. It's quite, Rob, to be able to go to your fans. Um, it really is something that would not have been possible in the days of the Lucifer Principle or, or um, a Global Brain. Just wouldn't have been possible at all. I'm very grateful to social media.
0: Now, do these people uh, at Kickstarter take a percentage? How do they make
1: their money? They take five percent of the money. And a tiny percent goes to Amazon because Amazon, all the payments are arranged through Amazon. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's it. They make their money off of that 5%. So out of of
0: $20,000, how much would you get?
1: Of $20,000, I think I would get about $19,000 or something like that.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, and $20,000 is the minimum it costs mm-hmm. you to do a PR campaign, and sure. you would see on the website that I've laid out what a saturation campaign is. Yeah. Look, Rob, when I went into the PR business, you know, I was a scientist coming in from outside of popular culture. What yeah. did I know? And all I knew was that I wanted the people that I worked with to become household names. Yeah. And I realized when I analyzed what was going on in the PR industry at that point that it was standard for a PR company to deliver five or six major media breaks in a month, and they thought that was terrific. Well, just in terms of how the human mind works, if you, if you see something only once, you don't remember it. If you see it five times, you don't remember it. If you see it 15 times, you begin to remember it. If you see it 50 times, now you're aware of it. So I made my publicist and myself deliver anywhere from 160 to 660 stories a month. Wow. If we came in with anything less than 160 stories a month, I felt we had failed on behalf of our clients. That's a saturation media campaign. That works. But to get a saturation media campaign, you need a lot more than $20,000. You need. A minimum of $60,000. However, with 20, you can do a lot more than you can do with nothing.
0: That is so true. That is so true. And, and you know, for some reason, uh, Howard, people have a misconception of, of the dollar value when it comes to promoting. So many people out there that I talk to each and every day are self published authors. They figure the book is out there, they, they should start making money right away. But the main thing that they forget is to market. And without marketing, you're not going to sell hoot.
1: And think of it this way. Once upon a time, somebody came up, this was about 10,000 years ago, somebody came up with a bright idea. The bright idea was, you know those great big things that we sit up against when we're eating lunch and Mm -hmm. that we trip over when we're walking on the pathway, those big rocks? let's get a whole bunch of them together and shave their sides a little bit and fit them together and we'll make something called a wall now imagine you're coming up with that idea Mm -hmm. and my being the first person to hear it from you i would say rob you're crazy you know these rocks have been around forever they're big they're much too big for us to handle um, putting them together that's a ridiculous idea it's a waste of our time we're subsistence we're living on you know barely living yeah. um, and there's no, no such thing called a wall you know we've all been here for a long time we've looked around we've never seen a wall there never will be a wall um, you have to convince 30 of us to spend 30 years of our lives putting these big boulders together before you get the first city wall the wall of jericho
2: um,
1: that takes immense salesmanship and one word that has become salesmanship is a word we look down on in the english language we look down on salesmen sorry salesmen are where the rubber meets the road if you have a great idea and you think it's going to transform humanity in some way and you don't sell it you are screwing humanity you and i
0: have to take a break here howard but this gives me the perfect opportunity for a segue exonation if you're against human slavery and human trafficking Visit www.mdsrc.org, the Modern Day Slavery Reporting Center, where you can actually go online and file a report. Reports go to law enforcement agencies around the world. That's www.mdsrc.org. Howard Bloom and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break.
2: Don't go away. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
0: Welcome back, everyone. That's Glass Tiger with My Town. A good friend of mine is the keyboard player in that, Sam Reed. And, uh, you know, every time I hear anything but glass tiger he reminds me of the last time i saw sam and that was uh, let me see oh my gosh must be 11 12 years ago so sam if you're listening i know you do we'll have to get together soon howard bloom is our guest HowardBloom.net, and howard you and i have talked over the uh, last couple of years about what has happened in egypt and it seems that the middle east is still cooking up with uncertainty
1: Well, we were covering, Rob, you and I together, um, we were covering the Arab Spring on an almost daily basis. We probably did a total of four to five interviews Mm -hmm. um, during the Arab Spring uprisings. And the the entire Arab Spring has been a lesson in don't count your chickens before they hatch and don't be deceived. Um, Things looked wonderful in the beginning. It looked like the Twitter and Facebook generation was about to take over Tunisia, Libya, Libya, um, and uh, and Egypt, it has not worked out that way at all. Um, as as you know, the news reports yesterday and today have um, told us that the uh, a court that was uh, put in place, a bunch of judges who were put in place by Mubarak, have come out with a ruling that the entire election for parliament was illegal. They have dissolved parliament. They have said that uh, Mubarak's last prime minister can run for president. Um, and they've basically set it up for uh, the military to do what the military did, even under Mubarak, a military dictatorship. So what was a, actually
0: accomplished then, Howard, and nothing, we're right back nothing. to where we started.
1: Uh, when at, at the same time, when you and I were speaking, Rob, mm-hmm. I was uh, working through, you know that, that the Office of the Secretary of Defense threw a symposium based on my second book, Global Brain, and brought in people from the State Department, the Energy Department, yep. DARPA, IBM, and MIT. So I worked through those people to try to get to the kids uh, running the Egyptian revolution. And the thing I wanted to tell them was, don't imagine that your revolution has ended when you've toppled Mubarak. Your your, Your revolution has barely begun. It takes two to five years to win a revolution. And if you don't hold on to power for those two to five years, everything you think you've achieved will be lost. Well, I was not able to get to those kids, and and I lost heart when I realized that the one thing that held all these kids together was being anti-Israel. And you know Mm -hmm. I'm a Zionist and an atheist and a Jew. Um, I really did lose heart. I had been tremendously enthusiastic before. Well, what's happened since then is this. The military used, in Egypt, the military which ran the country, Mubarak was their figurehead, used the revolution to get rid of Mubarak. Mubarak was 86 years old, he was getting too old, he needed to be replaced by somebody younger, or the, uh, the military was in danger of losing its control over the state, losing its hold over the state. So right now there's a major struggle between the military and the uh, Muslim Brotherhood um, for Egypt. The Muslim Brotherhood was the only organized group in the country that could possibly organize a political party. So w- Egypt is, is caught between Scylla and Charybdis. It's caught between a rock and a hard place. Either the military runs the country or the uh, Muslim Brotherhood runs Howard, the country. Howard, we've
0: run out of time for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. We're certainly going to let our listeners know how they can uh, you know, help you with Kickstart. And you and I will have to get back together again in the near future to discuss things furthermore that are affecting each and every one of us in this world of ours until then my good friend take care of yourself always great talking to you
1: rob thanks tremendously
0: take care my friend i'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news here in the x-zone don't go away